the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And now, back to Lifeline. Back to Time 609 on the Monday edition of Lifeline. I've got one line open, one 888 if you want to chime in on our topic. one 888 if you want to chime in on our, on our topic. Before I go to the phone lines, I, I actually want to share with you the, the seven headings on seven ways to teach children about the conscious. I thought that this was brilliant. It was written by one Andy Nacelli, and uh, the admission on his part is that he's not a perfect parent, but that he has found it necessary to make sure that we don't neglect that faculty in our children. Well, first, what you're going to have to do if you're going to listen to me about doing this with your kids is you're going to have to find out what the conscious is. Now, you can look it up and a... Um, you know, in a, a psychological manual if you want to, but you better look it up biblically, too, because the children are created in the Imago Day, And you want to actually inform your kids from a biblical perspective of what the conscious really is. And when you find out that the conscious is that intuitive knowing that God gifted them with by which they can begin to develop moral, ethical parameters, boundaries and discernment tools by which to know how to assess right and wrong. Here is what. Uh, Andy says you should do first talk to your children about the conscience as early on as your children can be, because uh, some children are a little bit more self-conscious than others. Talk to them about the conscious. Ask them, what are they thinking? Because your conscious is your thinking realm. It's that place where you hear yourself talking to yourself or assessing things. That's where your conscience is. Secondly, listen to your children talk about their conscious once you help them to be able to not only self-index and self-referent, recognize their own individuality and personhood, and therefore now be objective enough to see their conscious and hear their conscious, which is a good thing for you to do. Listen to your children talk about their conscious, but thirdly, encourage your children when they listen to their conscious. Because once the kids know how to listen to their conscience, they have a rule within them that will not be overthrown by authorities on the outside of them. Somebody ought to go amen for that one. Because you see, when we allow our kids to walk around with an unhealthy conscience, an unclear conscience, not a good conscience, not a sound conscience, not a strong conscience, not a biblically based conscience, then external authorities will dictate to them what's right and wrong. And that's not going to be good enough for them as young adults, adults, teenagers, teenagers, preteens, once they hit the pressures of a larger social group. He goes on to say, exhort your children not to ignore their conscience. In other words, help your kids know how to say to themselves, what I just did was wrong. Ah, what I just did was right. It corresponds with all that I've been taught in the Bible from my mom and dad about what is right. Thank you, Lord, for helping me resist evil and do what is right. Don't you want your kids to be able to know the no factor of Psalm 1, verse 1? 
Blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scorner. Did you want your kids to be able to go, no, no, no. I know better. No. Exhort your children not to ignore their conscience. Here is another one. Model listening to your conscience by asking for forgiveness when you sin against your children. Help your children see how you have a conscience that when you cross the line with them, say, hey, you know what? I'm sorry. I did wrong. I'm I'm sorry. I got that wrong. And they see you modeling how you listen to the internal check mechanism in yourself. He goes on to say, explain to your children why conscious matters and how consciences can differ. And finally, he says, keep reminding your children that only Jesus can cleanse the conscious. So now what's so beautiful about what I'm talking about is that that's the sphere and realm in which the spirit of God can work in your children's life to save them. If you raise your kids up to be merely existential, where they simply are doing things externally, where you don't have access to them or they don't even have access to themselves in their conscience, they'll simply be good little religious vipers, religious vipers. They'll know internally there's a vacuum. They'll know internally that there's a missing compass. They'll know internally that there's something wrong, but they have never, ever learned how to work through that wrong in their own conscience with God and with Christ, their mediator, their cleanser, their savior, in a way by which they can experience the triumph of grace over their own sins. I know what I'm saying is good, and I know you're starting to get it now, so we're going to start talking about it. I'm going to go to line number two, talk with Hassan in Sacramento. Hassan, are you there? Yes, I am. What's your thoughts or comments on our topic? So I'm thinking about it, and you're asking the theological implications, and I think there are kind of two sides. Yeah. I, think that, uh, I think that there is a big piece of men love darkness rather than light, so the predators, that's where they get enjoyment. Yeah. The people who are observing and see the signs, and should probably speak up, they stay quiet because it's safer because or whatever other reason. Oh, oh no, hold on. Um, stay, stay right there. I agree with you because it's safer. No doubt about it. But I would go back to your, your first premise, too, that not only the ones who are doing it, doing it because they love it. That's John three nineteen. Men love darkness rather than light. Therefore, they will not come to the light that their deeds might be made known that they're wrought in God. But people who love to watch men engage in darkness, that is anthropos, mankind, they also love it, too. Uh, there are two kinds of people, people who love to do it and people who love to watch others do it. That's Romans 2, by the way. But go ahead on now, because you're right. They, they, they don't say anything because it's safe. Right. They don't say anything because, because it's safe. Um, there, are, you know, there are consequences. So if you see, a, let's say, a child right. in a situation when that's happening, if you speak up, they lose their home, they lose whatever it is. And are you willing to actually take that next step and take them in or find the next place? Right. Or are you willing to still stick your neck out for the woman who's hurt, but she's, you know... Now she's being reclusive. Are you willing to step out and put your neck out there, too, and be like, oh, no, you're just trying to take down a powerful man? Are you willing to be, you know, spit on in, in that way? So I think um, I think the fact that there weren't many callers, I think the fact that there are, this is a movement now to speak up, yeah. it's kind of indicative that we, we have a culture where it's okay if it's just not seen. And that that shouldn't be the case. Right. And you what, see what I'm saying? No, I do. I do. I get you. I, I definitely get you. Uh, one of the things I love and I'm jazzed about just the format of dialogue that I get to get to do on Mondays. And I'll, I'll tell all you guys what, what it is. I, I'll share with, the, share, you, share with you what it is right now. 
it is an absolute privilege for us to talk and be able to communicate across hours away. And some people, different states can call in and be part of our program. And we can talk about these matters openly and publicly because that's the first step in righteousness. The first step, Hassan, in righteousness is to open up our mouth and talk about it. The second step is to do something about it. But people will never do anything about something that they will never openly talk about. And this is how the enemy works. He works that way. If he can keep you from talking about it, he can keep you from doing something about it. Everything that gets turned upside down gets turned upside down by silence. And everything that gets turned upside right gets turned upside right by the word, by conversation about it that impassions us and then moves us in a direction to act upon what we know is right. And if we're not talking about it, then the enemy knows he has his way. Besides, what you and I know is that the power of the word, that the moment we open our mouths, light is sown into darkness and people now have to reckon with what is being said. I know that. That's why I love to actually be used to talk to people about these things. And I'm what I'm saying right now, Hassan, is moving and shifting people even as we speak. It's emboldening parents. It's emboldening moms. It's emboldening dads. It's emboldening parents to actually now operate in a little bit more of an intentionality to move from an external parenting to an internal parenting because I'm simply telling them to watch out for the Bill Cosby's to come. Uh, Some of us may not have been able to avoid Bill Cosby. Uh, And I can tell you that from an experiential standpoint growing up, I was in the jungle, brother, and they got me. Um, And by God's mercy, I was able to only overcome it through a conversion in my life early on because I was being set up as well to simply either survive it or be a victim, if you know what I mean, by living in the jungle. But but the point being is that if if somebody had been cultivating and educating and and warning and building fences around my conscience and my heart earlier on, I would have been able to pick up on the signals before individuals took advantage of me. See, when you're a child, you're right. naive. When you're a child, you're naive. Your conscience is not that developed. It's not that strong. It's not that healthy. You're not that clear. You don't have a posse around you. You're you're very vulnerable. And if parents don't have a real sense of that kind of protection and preparation before presenting their children to the world, God has already shown us. This is what I was telling Brother James. God's showing us what our world is right outside our doors. So if, 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 we, yeah. if we get poked, if we get touched, if we get, you know, molested, it's not like God hasn't told us this is the jungle you live in. Mm -hmm. You got anything else to say? Yeah, just one last thing. I I just want to, like, encourage folks, like, because I heard about this too, like a a mom knew that her daughter was getting hurt like that. Of course. Her response was, and her response was, well, you know, pray about it. God will take care of it. And it was somebody in in their home. You see what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. That should never be the response. That is almost always the response. Oh, goodness. That is, that's, oh, goodness. That's, that's why I'm having the conversation. Son, this is the reason why I'm having the conversation, brother. It's almost always that response. This is what I meant about the conscience. I'm going to take this up probably next week because our time is moving so quickly. There are 10 to 12 different what we call adjectives attached to the concept of the conscience. I'll, maybe I'll read these off before I close the program today. One of the reasons why we don't do righteousness, even when we know what righteousness is, is because we don't have a good conscience. And when that lady 
had a child that she knew was being molested by somebody in the house, she wasn't operating out of a good conscience. She had what is called a weak conscience and or an evil conscience and or a defiled conscience and or a seared conscience and or a reprobate conscience. Any of that list, and they're all biblical, is what kept her from having a big enough heart to do something about it. And it starts with conversation like this. Thank you for the call. Listen, I'm going to take a break. And then when I come back, I'll get uh, Alyssa, Arbis, Kiana. And I've got one line open, one We'll be right back. And now back to Lifeline. And we are back to time 624 on the Monday edition of Lifeline. And we will go to line number three and talk with Arbus in Oakland. Arbus, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Hi, Pastor Jesse. How are you? I'm doing good. Great. How are you? I'm good. How how uh, how is our top how how have our how has our topic impacted you today? Um uh it, at first it was a little bit um I was trying to understand it, like how to answer the question or, but I, I don't, I can't answer the question, but I have a question. Okay. Um, I guess my question would be um, dealing with the aftermath of a defiled conscience. Mm-hmm. Great. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. If, if you, if you believe that you have a little bit of an understanding of what a defiled conscience is now, you know, because you're part of grace, you can go into our archives because I've done a study on the 10, um, 10 adjectives of the conscious that the Bible lays out. There's actually more. I'm working through that now. But um, if you wanted to get that study, you could. But what would you think a defiled conscious would be? Um, kind of like along the lines of what you were explaining, like um, being young and have, um, because you weren't taught or um, wasn't brought up in, um, I guess, you know, your parents, I guess your parents do the best they can, but sometimes they don't train you the way they should or watch out for the things that they should watch out for. Right. And so they kind of basically leave you exposed to um, outside factors or forces right. that can come and violate you. Yep, yep, yep. And when the conscience is defiled by virtue of evil having its way with you, what a defiled conscience does, Arbus, and those that those of you that are listening, it makes it difficult for you to view things purely. Let me give you one Bible verse around that. That's for everybody just because we're there now dealing with it. And, 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 and by the way, by inference, what we're doing is answering the theological implication to the Bill Cosby issue. In other words, when we know and have been made aware that a, a person with the kind of prominence that Bill Cosby has, has been able to have his way and and take advantage of vulnerable women to the tune of 50 who have accused him, uh, we know that that's a lifelong pathology on his part. It could have easily been children, and in his mind they were because he did not view them as equals. Here is what the text says in first in Titus chapter 1, the Apostle Paul talking about the uh, the 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 folks in 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 the culture of Titus the Cretans and how that they are wicked by nature and he says unto the pure verse fifteen of Titus one unto the pure all things are pure but unto them that are defiled and unbelieving is nothing pure but even their mind and conscience is defiled now here is what that means and this is why we would want to work through defilement which is the contamination of that which is formerly clean or undefiled. 
being contaminated with perversion or contaminated with corruption or contaminated with violence, contaminated with something now that that changes the nature of the conscious and it forces the conscious now to operate through the prism of its hurt, its wound, its contamination. For instance, if in fact you have been sexually violated and you have not worked through that violation, not only in terms of the practical, psychological, emotional uh, elements, but the conscientious elements where you had your conscience restored, cleansed, uh, purged. This is the language of the New Testament as well. Then when you try to utilize your conscience, whenever you run across topics or subjects or matters that are similar to that particular topic, subject or matter in which you were violated and defiled, it's very hard for you not to interpret things along that line. If you have been sexually violated, it's very hard for you to view sex in a pure and in a pristine and in a biblical way. You may try to, but if the conscious is actually still defiled, then it's hard. And this is the real problem with a lot of marriages where the husbands and the wives have been defiled and they haven't talked that through with their spouse that when they grew up, that they were radically imposed upon and affected prominently in the way they think about themselves, about sexuality and things of that nature. And it impacts, impacts the relationship significantly. And they will need to have a cleansing of their conscience, a purging of their conscience, a washing of their conscience in order for them to be able to operate in that particular sphere and dimension in a healthy way. Does that make sense? It makes a lot of sense. Um, so what do you do? Do you just begin to, because I guess I, I guess I always do like, okay, I'm saved now. Thank God he saved, came into my life and everything is good now. So I don't have to really deal with the things in my past. But once God begins to deal with you, like, no, it's still there. You need to go back and deal with that. Right. Where do you start? Like, right. Well, and that's where transformation is. This is what we mean by the whole doctrine of sanctification. And you're one of our students. You're a very astute female uh, student at Grace. And you know that what we do when we work through the gospel, we are working through the process of transformation. So you know that we are instantaneously born again by the singular and monogistic work of God himself. He makes us born again. We don't make we don't help him make us born again. He does that. But being a new creature in Christ, we are simultaneously what? Sinful and righteous at the same time. At the same time. So remember, we're holding in tandem a new nature that's righteous and an old nature that's what? Sinful. Sinful. Now, that really means we have two consciences. And the two consciences that we have is the conscience that constitutes where we are going because of him who has uh, given us a new identity in Christ. But we also have to deal and struggle with the old conscience because we have two egos, the new nature, the old nature. This is Romans seven, the good that I would, I do not the evil that I would not do. I find myself doing. So I'm in conflict with that, which is right in me over against that, which is wrong in me. Now that which is wrong in me affects the central consciousness, intuitive awareness that I have about um, what I am now learning more about God should be the way that I should live. Or, or I should think, or I should, I should feel and, and how I should talk, but I'm impeded in a particular area of my life, right? Because I've been defiled in that particular area. 
Well, there is where the work of grace has to come in in the process of sanctification by virtue of a process of cleansing. And it starts with being able to. Now, you know, we're getting ready to have another DOG class, and I'm hoping the ladies will take up my topic. And this will actually be I hope they do. They they may not because they, they do their own thing. But if they do take up my topic, this is going to be a, a critical component of the topic that that I would want them to take up. Arbus, and that is how to walk with God in a way that you empty the garbage, because there's a ton of garbage in our lives that have to be emptied. Garbage that is old from our old nature and garbage that is new in our new walk with Christ. We have a tendency not to know how to empty the garbage well, and that has a major implication on uh, how we feel about ourselves, how we engage people, how we how close we allow people into our lives and how much distance we keep uh, people from our lives in part or in whole. So if there are certain areas in our life where we have not adequately taken out the garbage, that is remove that component of defilement that keeps really making it difficult for me to see that particular thing, subject, topic or issue in a right way to the pure, all things are pure. If we haven't had that area purified, then that's an area where the Lord will be wanting to deal with you in order that you might enjoy that area too. And that's a process by which we come to look at it. Remember, I talked about the acronym of AIM in one of our last women's theology. uh, No, in the last DOG, they gave me the honor of speaking for the last DOG. And I talked to them about the need to be able to aim, assess, invest, and then maintain. If you have issues in your life, look at those issues, assess those issues, and then invest in those issues. And after investing in those issues, maintain those issues. And that might take a cadre of things. It might take counsel. It may take... um, uh, serious prayer, but it's certainly going to take you or I being intentional about that area because we want God to cleanse our heart and purify our hearts in order that we might draw near to him and him to us. And that's what he's actually calling us to. You know that. And uh, that process is going to help you deal with that area. Now, have you begun to deal with that area in your life? I, You know, I think God is calling me to deal with it. Oh, you know, I... I have a like a dream, yeah. And I'm not I'm not one that goes around like say, oh yeah, I had a dream about this or that, you know. But I really had one that like shook me like out of my sleep. Like I woke up, like Lord, what the heck is this? What is this? You right, know? right. And then I just believe, you know, remember how you was preaching on that message um, and about how God deals with the conscience, yep. like in a dream and yep. the vision of yep. the night. Yep. And I really believe that God was dealing with me because then He, you know, helped me to begin to see like you've been just going over stuff, you know, thinking that it's going away because you're not talking about it or dealing with it, that it's gone, but it's really still there, and I need you to deal with that, you know. So I my guess right now I'm at the point where, okay, Lord, you know, if you want me to deal with it, how do I deal with it? Where do I where do I start? You know, so I like the scripture that you gave me, you know, about Titus. I'll, I will begin to pray and ask God to, you know, um, um, you know, the to the pure, all things are pure, I I will begin to ask God to, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. clean those areas, you know, Mm -hmm. because only he knows the areas. Sometimes we don't even know, you know, but God knows. Well, this is what David meant when he says, 
<clears throat> search me and try me and see if there be any evil way in me and remove it far from me. David came to the point of realizing he had many pockets in his life that he didn't let God clean up and it almost ruined his life. And he, he began to work on it because he loved God uh, at the level of wanting having full, having full fellowship with God as are you doing right now. And again, like I said, if we deal with this particular element um, in the DOG's meeting next time, you guys will have massive um, resources to actually be able to do just that. You've already started. God will take you the rest of the way on that. Listen, thank you for the call. Got to take a hard break. Yep. Got to take a hard break, Alyssa and Kiana. I'll um, address your 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 views when we come back. Got two lines open. one 367 We've got two more segments to go. Loving what we're talking about now. one 367 I hope you guys are benefiting from our topic. I'll be right back. And now back to Lifeline. And we're back. The time 638. We have two segments to go and we have two lines open. If you want to call one 367 we are talking about Bill Cosby. We're talking about Brett Kavanaugh. We're talking about predatorial ways. We're talking about the conscience and how it impacts us when we are um, dominated by uh, authorities who would have their way with us um, when we're not capable of um, standing for what's right. And then I was talking about how important it is for parents to help their children have a good conscience, uh, a pure conscience, um, and um, a conscience that is clean and is healthy because it has a very good biblical worldview and understands ethics and morals and boundaries uh, in a biblical way so that it can walk with God um, in the light. Two lines open, one 367 Let's see what uh, line number one, Alyssa from Oakland, has to say. Alyssa, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. How are you? Hi, how are you? Great. What's your question, comment, or observation? Um, well, first, um, before I share my um, um, op- opinion, I guess, or whatever, um, or experience, I should say, um, Talking about it when you were um, speaking um, about talking about it, yeah. um, it's also a huge part of um, self healing. Yeah, being able to get past it. Yeah. So um, that on that and um, but uh, first of all, I think that every person is born with a self conscious um, because. I being first-handedly a victim of being molested by a person for pretty much my whole life. Um, uh, if you're introduced to God at an early age, you you will. Everybody should know this is not right. When you're being touched like that, even as a child, something in you tells you. This isn't right. Sure. This shouldn't happen. So being said that you carrying on that behavior and passing it on to someone else's child or your own family or whatever the case may be mm-hmm. is not acceptable. And if you're introduced to God at an early age, you know that and that you will not. There's nothing in you that would want to do that to somebody, knowing that how you felt when that happened to you, mm-hmm. like you wouldn't do, you wouldn't do it. it. God would not allow you to do that to somebody else's child or. I don't know. I don't family. know about that. 
So I, I think I, I agree with you in the trending from the fact that we can know that it's wrong, but I don't know if I would tr- I would uh, I would I would just take your statement, Alyssa, as a as a blanket statement that when, as a young person, that just because you come to know God in Christ, that automatically you are going to um, not do what you know you shouldn't do. I don't think I would agree with that. And I think that we would have to work that through process that a little bit. And what I mean by that is I think that, yeah, if um, if God begins to work in your life quickly as a new believer um, at a young age, um, let's let's mm-hmm. let's say uh, a young teenager, 14, 15, 16, 17 years old, uh, and you know that you've had that victim status where someone has molested you. And that pattern has maybe transferred itself even into your own behavior with other people, because that's unfortunately, that's how it works. It becomes a Mm -hmm. kind of a um, socially contracted disease. Um, Mm -hmm. It's not necessarily so that you're going to automatically not do what you know you shouldn't do. That's the that is the process of sanctification that requires the development that Arbus was talking about before you call where she knows that um, that she's had that major interruption in her life, as did you. And and that even if she is not practically doing it, there's still a major struggle in her her conscious. And she 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 needs to know what is the process by which we overcome sinful tendencies that are either the consequent of our own doing or have been imposed upon us. And I'm sure you know that, too. If you're a believer in Christ, you know that doing the right thing in many cases is a process. It is. It is absolutely a process. And and um I, I wasn't saying you're automatically going to know that, but you're more likely no, no, I agree to with you. No, I think no, I th- and and um, you know, have that conscience like you're saying. Like no, I think you will have. I think you very strong. No, I think you're right about us automatically having the consciousness of it. I, I know. I I think that that's absolutely one of the gifts of, of immediate illumination upon being being converted, upon being saved. I, I agree with you right. in terms of like, whoa, there is a major standard of right and wrong that has just now lifted to a, a, an infinite level in my consciousness because now I've come to know God. What I was talking about is how what we know now translating into a moral and ethical response in that particular context when someone would yeah. begin to either um, approve of a behavior that you and I know was horrible in our life or uh, mm-hmm. want to inflict it on us. Or if you mm-hmm. had one of those things where you were also um, struggling to, to, to overcome a practice, it didn't even have to be particularly molestation. It could be other things that we right. got transferred to us. You go, uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. Now you're really fighting against your fighting old nature. Yeah. Right. And if you get the tools, you'll, you'll be able to overcome that and it'll be a testimony to others as to God's grace to cause you to triumph in it too. That I, I know you're right about that. Yeah. Uh, everybody. Yeah. You're, you're right. Everybody doesn't, uh, is not strong enough to, yep. uh, overcome yep. the, the, um, trauma, the trauma. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and and uh, passing it on or or whatever, and they struggle. It's a it's it is it's a very hard struggle for some. Um, I was I was introduced to God at an early age, mm-hmm. and uh, within me 
personally within me knowing that you know this is not right this is not right and you know what is right is is right and wrong is wrong um i had it in myself not to do that and i i mean you know it's it is you either become a victim or you become a predator yourself right like you were saying you said that earlier right you either you know you fall short yeah. to either doing it yourself to somebody or being a victim of it your maybe your whole life yeah carrying it on to relationships or you know and it it might not even be molestation but it could be carried or transferred into abusive relationships yep. or whatever like that yep and you know, it's it, it's a it's a life struggle though when you're introduced to some traumatic experience like that. You it could be it, it could be, uh, and I'm gonna let you go after this. It could be that you know you might it, some, what God does with a number of us. I listen, and I think he could, you, you might vouch for that. A lot of us will go through really bad things when we're young and, 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 and vulnerable, and there is no no one there to protect us. And when God mm-hmm. saves us, He will turn us into champions and 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 and, and, mm-hmm. and he will do that some of us become champions for righteousness in those particular areas and not only are you not inclined to do it but you are now an advocate for those who have been abused and you are a champion uh, to oppose those who would be inclined to such. That was the disposition of my heart when I got married and began to have kids. There was a complete and total sort of champion uh, spirit that, that said I would not ever allow any of that kind of darkness to even right. become close to my home. And it's been part yeah. of kind of my ethic as a pastor as well. Uh, but but some people still struggle with it. So you and I may have had the gift of, of being a uh a victor in it and therefore a proponent of righteousness against it. And we would hope that everyone would come to that place too. Yeah, for real. Listen, thank you for the call. Bless you. I got to take a break. Kiana, you hold on. You and I will close out the program. Thank you for that call, Alyssa. Call anytime. We'll be right back. And now back to Lifeline. And we are back on the Monday edition of Lifeline, winding down our program. Very good topics, very good callers, a very sensitive issue. But I think God is allowing us to do some some healing. The gospel is about healing in all reality. Let's go to line four and talk with Kiana in San Leandro. Kiana, are you there? Um, yes. What's Hi, your... Pastor Jesse. How are you? Hi, fine. Good. What's your thoughts? Um, I just think, oh, David says hi. Tell David I said hello. He said hello. He's doing homework. Good. Excellent. Um, all of, I listened to the, um, the Kavanaugh in the Ford testimony. Yeah. And it's just sad how this country would allow a person who's been accused of something like that to even sit on the Supreme Court. Well, hold on now. He's not there. He's not there yet. We haven't we haven't done it. We haven't uh, we haven't voted him in. He's being vetted right now. I think he's going to get in. But but 
But there is a process yeah. going on. We are, we are, the process is working. We are, we, we slowed the vote down. We have exposed his uh, accusers because you can't accuse somebody and then hide behind a blank screen. If you're going to say somebody did something that wretched, you got to at least, you know, face your accusers. This is called righteousness. So Miss Ford is out. The issues are being set on the table. The lines are being drawn. There's no conclusion yet. And, and knowing Donald Trump, the way that I'm observing him, uh, he, he, he's not going to have a troublemaker. I can tell you that. So if the FBI continues to unearth things that would give Ms. Ford's testimony more credibility, it's very possible that Kavanaugh will not pass. I'm thinking so, too, but it just seems like we in a culture where people can do the most horrible and insane and yep. wretched things and still get away with it. Yep. Pursue their dreams and go forward in their careers like nothing happens. All right. So now that being the case is not as simplistic as that, but you're putting on a prism that's fairly close. That being the case, Kiana, what do we do as the people of God? We have to, we, we need to pray, number one. And number two, we need to talk to our family, kids, churches, yep. Yep. congregations about talking openly about this stuff because people are molesting people in churches and schools and all over the place. All over. Every, all people, over the place. Over it up. Oh, it's a man of God and, and this and that and this and that. And I'm like, um,. A man of God would not do the things that this person is doing. And you have people that are sitting under all kinds of non-Christ-centered teaching, and people are deceived and confused. I agree, and That's it's going to get. The problem. I agree, and it's going to get. It's going to get worse. But we have to talk about it. Right, we can't just keep sweeping it under the rug. I've already told my son, if someone puts their hands on you and touches you inappropriately, you come and tell me, and we're going to deal with it. There's not going to be any covering it up and ignoring it. No, I'm going straight to the police, and yep, I'm hiring a lawyer, and yep, we're going to sue, and yep, we're going to pursue uh, criminal charges and all that. Because yep. all this ignoring it and, and selling it out of court and being quiet, that stuff is not helping. Because especially if it happens to you as a kid, you think that that stuff is your fault or you did something to cause it and then you feel some way about your parents yep. because they, yep. you feel like they should have protected you but they wasn't in a position to protect you yep. and then you haven't been able to discuss how you felt and you carry this stuff and you end up, you know, making bad choices, being on drugs, all that, know, all that, crazy, all this stupid stuff when had you been able to talk about it without being judged yep. and blamed. Yep. We wouldn't have half the problems we have in society. Right. That's part of that. People don't want to deal. People don't want to deal with the issues that come up. When a kid comes to their parent and tells them this type of stuff, you don't blame the kid. Right. You get at it. It's not their fault. That's the problem. Everybody wants to ignore it and not deal with it, and it causes more problems than it solves. Exactly. And not that's a- the issue, and especially on these jobs too. All this stuff going on with these jobs of women. Sexual harassment against women. Yep. I mean, against men by women. Okay, but I think it cut both ways. I, I know of women that act all skanky and loose and talking crazy to men and saying inappropriate stuff. I agree. It's and all out there. They don't want to say nothing. And I'm like, everybody should be conducting themselves in a professional manner on these jobs. You are so correct. And I think they should be able to speak up, too. And I think either, no matter what your 
gender is if you committing sexual harassment and all kind of inappropriate stuff on the job, you need to be called to the carpet in the same way that a man would be if it was just a woman and vice versa. Everybody needs to learn how to respect people. Yep. And not all this other stuff. So you keep fighting the good fight along with me and others. And uh, thank God for the gift of being bold enough to say, uh, uh-uh, we ain't having it. And that's a gift. <laughs> and you got that. <laughs> and uh, you keep it moving. You keep it moving. Thank you for the call, Kiana. We'll talk to you later. Say hi again to David. Tell him to go to bed early tonight. Uh, let's go to line number two and talk finally with Kathy. It's on line two. Kathy, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Hi, hi. Pastor Jesse. How are you? We've got, a, we've got a couple of minutes. What's your thoughts? Okay. You know, I've listened to everybody, and I, I love this show. But um, for me, it's all about God. You know, God knows the truth. He knows exactly what's going on, and my role in this is to trust in Him. I can't make presumptions right or wrong. About what? Just, just about, I know that I, I have compassion for women that are abused and men that are abused for that matter i mean any of this is just sickening and it's the work of the enemy sure but the disease that everybody talks about people having i mean i don't want that to be a deceit that i may have i love god i will not give up my trust in him and i know that whatever comes out of this will be because he wants it so Mm -hmm. for for his glory Mm -hmm. so i cannot judge either way in a circumstance. Yes, I believe things, and, and I'm compassionate for those that are abused, believe me. But bottom line is, God is the only one who really knows the truth. Right. Now, here's what I'm going to say. Okay. A um, couple things. Okay. It, it's not enough for us to say God knows the truth, he'll handle it. That would... No, I didn't say that. I didn't say he'll handle it. Well, well what good what good would it be, Kathy? What good would it be for him to know the truth and not handle it? What comfort would it be for you and I to say God knows, and don't and don't think He will handle it? He will handle it. Well, of course. But yeah. here's here's my You're point. Right. Here's You're my right. here's my point. Right. Here's my point. Here's my point. You and I are still responsible as God's image bearers to press through and execute righteousness. This is why he gives us governments, and this is why he gives us authorities, and those, those authorities come all the way down to personal authority as human beings, and we have legislation, and we have judiciaries, we have courts, we have uh, educational systems, we have sources by which God obligates us as fellow human beings to pursue righteousness and make sure that people are not unjustly taken advantage of. Yes. Be sympathetic. Yes. Be prayerful. Yes. Trust in God. But uh, we're going to have to, at some point, if God calls us to it, to witness, testify, to speak up, address and suffer for righteousness for people that we care about. Listen, I got to go. Thank you for the call. It was a great, I'm with you. I'm totally with you. Until next time, keep your eyes on Christ. And uh, if God should put you in a position where you have to do something about it, make sure that you ask God to give you a large enough heart to be, be right with him and it. Talk to you next time. God bless.
Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of KFAX. Copyright Salem Communications, all rights reserved. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.